right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Rod podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we are fired up, man. We got one of the coolest places and one of the coolest resources in hot rodding today. Plus, the dude that we're talking to, Rick, I love this, man. He's like, honest to God, the guy's like my second wife. Um, I, I'm always talking to him. I have him on the radio all the time. Uh, he's just a great, like, car enthusiast. His story, how he came about, and, and what he's doing really shaped the industry, man. It's all gravy. It's all good stuff. Uh, we're stoked to have him on, Kev. Oh, man, absolutely. I've been, I've been keeping my tabs on, on these guys for, I don't know, 10, 12 years or more. Uh, and where they have blossomed, how they've grown, and what Rick's done uh, with kind of the, the core roots and expand on it. It's, it's amazing. I mean, wait till we dive into some of this stuff. But I mean, at its basics, right, Rick's got a salvage yard, but they've turned it out from, you know, just your mundane, you know, minivans and pickup trucks and whatever else to focusing purely on, right, the muscle cars and performance cars, the Corvettes, the, the Hellcats, the GT500s, you name it, you know, branching into GTRs and other brands, but just getting the goodies that we want in one spot. You know, I remember growing up as a kid, you know, hunting from salvage yard to salvage yard, salvage, just trying to find, you know, that one or two cool pieces. <laughs> Here he has every piece around the world because they all go to him. So you can just Load up your shopping cart with everything you could ever want. It's awesome. Yeah, man. And you guys, his name is Rick Fragnoli. He's um, I love how he started out in the kind of industry or how he came up with this idea. It was all because he didn't want to get in trouble with pops, which, you know, <laughs> every single one of us has been in that scenario, in that situation. So what he stumbled upon was a gold mine, and he's really taken it and run with it, um, the whole concept. A lot of people think about old crate engines, or, you know, sort of package deals. Um, I know after we talked to him uh, several times on the podcast and I got to, you know, meet the guy at SEMA, uh, hang out with him there um, and just see what him and his crew were all about, man. They're just great guys. Um, I'm, I'm doing a, a Chevelle. I'm, literally, I thought I was going to start that car today. Uh, we're having to get the, the computer flashed a little different to unlock it. The computer's locked. So we're having to get that done. But I'm going to start this Chevelle hopefully this week that with Rick's help, um, we got knocked out with, uh, you know, with a Denver cop here that's fighting stage four cancer. And uh, Rick helped me out 
tremendously with that. He's a great resource, man. Just a great guy in general. And it really helps because he's a hot rodder, man. He's a muscle car guy. He's a big car enthusiast. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a ton of hot rods laying in his garage that we've yet to talk about. Yeah. We've got to ask him about that, too. How could you not? You've got every part and piece you could ever, ever need to build anything. Now, I, I've been down there to, to Cleveland Pick Apart. And, uh, well, it used to be Cleveland Pick Apart. Now it's uh, Power and Performance. And you walk down the aisles, and you just start with powertrains. And you've got a Hellcat powertrain. You've got a GT500 powertrain. And it's not just the engine and transmission. It's everything you need for that thing to run. Uh, could be the fuel tank, sender, steering column, controller, you name it. Every sensor and doodad or module to make it run. So you know when you take that pallet and, and get it home, uh, you can just plop it right in the vehicle, find places to you know package everything, and turn the key, and that sucker is off and running. Now you go down another aisle, and you'll see a whole bunch of SRT seats. You'll see a whole bunch of Brembo brakes. You'll see just about any badass doodad part component that you need to build something wicked. Man, it is a candy store. I mean, my favorite candy store, I think, on the planet, you know? You know what it is, man? It's the new version of the old school salvage yard, but it's done and laid out in a way that makes everything easy. Then add on top of it, this knucklehead, he started building other people's cars, started building his SEMA bills, started getting a name for hot rods, muscle cars, all kinds of old school and new school combinations, all sort of, you know, like an alchemist in there, just weaving modern drivetrains and old hot rods, making all these old school baby boomers gooey, you know, and, and then the Gen Zers all, you know, like, oh, I gotta get me one of these. So it, it's really cool to see what he's done and how he's sort of, you know, kind of leading the industry as far as, you know, builds, cars, uh, crate engines, you know, complete performance packages. So I'll tell you what, let's dive into a break. We'll come back and bring the man, the myth, the legend on uh, from Power and Performance, Cleveland Power and Performance. Go check it out on social media. Um, this man is a blast. And he's changing the game, a hot rod, y'all. We're back on the Two Guys Garage podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have Rick Fragnoli on Cleveland Power and Performance. Hey, man, welcome to the podcast, bro. It's great seeing you. Great hearing from you. We just love what you're doing, man. So gotta have, we got to have you back on and tell the world about it. Yeah, thank you very much. Honestly, an honor to be on every time. Every time I'm asked to be on, it's an absolute honor. And that introduction, I mean, geez, guys, thanks for blowing it out there. <laughs> I mean, wow! I'm, I'm uh, flattered. You, you got our you got our attention, man. You got our attention. You are doing all the right things, and every time we turn around, you just keep adding another layer, right? You don't just have a cool, uh, you know, a cool salvage yard with some cool parts in it. You got the coolest. You're building some of the baddest rides. You're pushing the envelope, and as as Willie said, you know, I mean, putting a modern powertrain in a, an old hot rod is it's nothing new nowadays. But you guys are then going to another level and you're adding all of the other modern functions that are all controlled by the vehicle and uh, you know, the vehicle modules and everything else and adding things like heated seats and door pot, you know, just you name it. I mean, you, you could probably tell us better all the things that you are now integrating out of a, a modern vehicle and then putting it in the older vehicle. So it's not just the powertrain anymore. It, there's a lot of additional functions 
that you guys are adding and you really have a good handle on how they work, how they talk, uh, and, and what makes them all function properly. Because I know as soon as we start tearing things apart, hey, it doesn't work anymore. Damn it. You know, what am I going to do now? I got a bunch of useless stuff. What's this black box over here and these wires and this connector? Uh, you guys have it all mapped out. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, we're one. I mean, we've got a really great crew. Really lucky. I've had a lot of guys with me since literally their high school jobs and they're in their 30s and 40s now. They've been here since high school. But it's funny, the joke around the shop is like they try to, they feel like I do it on purpose, but I don't. Like, Wolf, for example, we just did a red eye a couple weeks ago. This 2021 red eye is just demolished in the front, just absolutely demolished. The drive line is all right. So we basically get the thing all programmed back up talking, and the car is a complete shell. All the parts are gone, everything's gone. And customer calls and says, hey, you know, because of the where he's at, I need this thing to drive and ship in one piece. So I go down to the guy. And I'm like, hey, good news. You know, great job on that pallet. It's all done. We got to put that back into a driving car. It's going international. And the guy's like, ah, you're kidding, right? And I'm like, no, we got to find all the pieces, all the bolts, and everything else that wasn't with this pallet and put it back together. So we'll take stuff. And the guys, you know, in terms of a challenge, it's great because we can go take a car like that and on a whim, take something from a wooden box pallet and get it back into a driving car to get into the container ship to go into the country it needs to go into because of the parts, because of the program, everything we have set up. But the guys at times think I do it just to screw with them. I don't, but we get some <laughs> weird requests and weird orders in here. So, tell, uh, uh, you know, if people want to hear how he sort of stumbled upon this business model, uh, you should check out some of our earlier podcasts. Um, I don't want to waste a lot of the time reiterating that, but, man, I love how you're, you're always kind of striving for what's next. Um, you know, for those of you that – you know, if you've ever seen a 69 Dodge Charger Reverence, it's uh, it's unbelievable. That car was sick. And then this year at SEMA, I was right across the booth. You know, his booth was right across from where my car was at. And, man, you had people. I'm telling you, I think you single-handedly brought that Bronco from on the way back to booming back. Like the OJ body style, <laughs> it was a little bit – it got a little traction. But, man, when you brought that one to SEMA this past year – Dude, it I feel like that just jumped that entire market. Yeah, thank you. I, I do like doing so. I feel like that early 66, 77 Bronco, it's been built so many times and a ton of great shops have done it, but it's been built a lot. The big Bronco, the OJ Bronco, no one gives a big girl love and, you know, she needs it. So I wanted to make sure we got, you know, tasked with building a Bronco is I didn't just want to do the everyday Bronco and I wanted to do, and that Bronco, we eliminated all the leaf springs, went to a full coilover system on it um built our own frame in house everything we could do in house i'll always do in house and like and there's definitely great frame shops out there but if we could do it in house let's do it in house it gives us control it gives us the way we want to run our exhaust our drive shaft loops you know maybe we want to go a little thicker on the steel or whatever it is it allows everything in house all those changes we made and it's funny a lot of you know i probably shouldn't say it, but we don't build a lot off blueprint we build a lot off feel and i feel like there's an art and a passion to it and there's a lot of times that we're in on a car and like maybe i'll throw something out but we do a lot of Cardboard building, poster board building, a lot of, a lot of building by the feel of it versus the building of like the 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 blueprint, the drawing. We just build out of our butt, for lack of better words. Yeah, I shouldn't say that, but it's true. Hey, I didn't even do a rendering until after my SEMA car was done. <laughs> we never have, we never have one either. They're like submit your rendering for the show. Yeah, now, this was the plan all along. I swear. Yeah, you know, I'm an engineer by background, so CAD is kind of where we live. And, and when I go out in the shop, I, I like the cardboard. Yeah. I like the freedom. I like the touching, feeling, looking at it from so many different angles. So I, I do like mocking things up and seeing how it looks, you know. So I'm, I'm with you, bro. I, as you get out there, too, in the shop and you're out there, you start to feel it. Like it maybe maybe some of that stuff you might have had in CAD or on paper doesn't translate to what you've been building and working on. I think as you start to feel and flow with the car, 
just me personally, I get a lot better result feeling the car, flowing with the car. Yes, there's times you got to have numbers. There's times you got to have those drawings. But for the most part, we don't use a ton of them. So tell us a little bit on the Bronco. Like, what are some of the modern functions that you guys were able to integrate into that thing? Yeah, that thing in terms of modern functions has a lot. It has, I'm trying to think off the start. So um, the door mirrors are actually from a Silverado and the window regulars are from a Silverado. So if you're towing a boat or towing a jet ski, the original Bronco mirrors were, for lack of better words, just big and bulky. And the F-150 mirrors were bigger and bulkier. So the nice part about having all the parts in the warehouse, we'll go up in there, we'll go up, look around, Silverado mirrors fit better, let's switch them into regulators. But the mirrors still powerful, they still have all the functions, the auto dim, the park assist sensors, all the forward lighting, all the heated seats, cooled seats, navigation, um, the remote start. You can walk up to the door like those floors, I got the touchpad on the outside, where you know, unlock from the outside of the touchpad. And now a car like that doesn't have to have it. I mean, when you're integrating everything in there, sometimes you like to do it, just show off the guy's skills in the shop. So we'll integrate all that touch button stuff. Um, but then we took an F-350 overhead console, cut it down to an F-150 size, reupholstered it, painted it, body worked, just to have one switch up there. So the back glass would go down off of one switch, just like it would be like from an F-150. But the four-door F-150s are more laid out. The truck is, has three switches, two dome lights, and a sunglass holder. So every little part of that truck has been engineered and built to be look like it came off the factory floor, but also every function works like every function. It, it does. It looks, it looks like it came off the factory floor, but in like 2022, Yeah. but it, but it's the OJ Bronco, all those creature comforts, all that styling, uh, a really integrated, you know, uh, interior. Like the thing was, it was just sick, man. That was a, that was a hell of a build. Yeah, thank you. The door panels were, they started off as an F-150. We had to cut them down about three. We had to basically shrink them down about three and a half times. And each time we shrunk, we had to re-plastic weld them, body work them, cut them, shrink them because you wanted to keep the cup holder spacing the same, the door handle the same, the lock the same. But you had to keep body working them because you couldn't put the leather over. We'd have these big things. The door panels were this crazy part no one ever realizes. When you open the door, the door panels look like they were made to fit that truck. But we took quad cab f-150 door panels and built them into 79 bronco door panels wow Sick, man. you know and willie mentioned it earlier there your reverend 69 charger you know with hellcat um and it had a lot of modern stuff blended into it and and i've seen over the years a lot of people try to take you know a newer body dash other things and and force fit it into an older vehicle and i just you know it's just rare that I ever go yeah good job you know it's kind of like yeah you did it you know but um god dang you know i got to get up close on that reverence and uh whew, out of the park you know it's, it's hard because they're different styles from different eras and different sizes and you know but you guys know how to you know nip tuck fit blend whatever it takes to you know to make it work and and look right feel right and function right it's it's that's some big kudos. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, the kind words, the fact that Reverence is still getting the love. We're still building cars now. We still have another charger that's booked from Reverence that long ago. It's still coming in. So the love Reverence got is phenomenal. But I think on the floor, it's a big part is our, I'm really big on working with the guys. And like each guy has a strength. Each guy has this. Each guy has a different eye. I see like a really three-dimensional eye. My one guy's a really math guy. My other guy's like that heavy fabricate. So a lot of times we'll sit down, we'll throw ideas out, and we just kind of bounce back and forth. And no one ever gets, you know, you know, they never get too butthurt where we can all take each other's opinions and work with it. And like you're saying, this talk, this point, each guy has that, you know, that forte where it fits. So you can lean on this guy for that or lean on that guy for that. And everyone knows that that's that guy's forte. No one's hurt, but we're all comfortable 
with each other enough to not be afraid to say, Hey man, I don't that rolls or let's think about this. And I think that's why that stuff comes out so good. Cause everyone just really comes together on these builds. Yeah. One thing I noticed, you know, like back in the day or heck any salvage yard you typically go to and their number one and only tool is typically an acetylene torch, you know, just cut that sucker apart, drop out chunks and, you know, part yeah. it out. That's about it. Uh, but you know, when I walked in your shop, everything from amazing sheet metal fabrication, you know, all the way to, wow, there's a guy just busting out a custom set of headers, you know, like professional quality. Uh, you got your interior guy over there. Uh, so this is no ordinary salvage shop, man. Uh, you have really, like I said, you've, you've blown this and grown it uh, in, in so many very highly skilled ways. And, you know, you just mentioned your team. You've, you've kind of built a team that uh, you, you can pretty much accomplish anything, which is pretty stellar. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rick. How many how many members of your team wear black t-shirts every day? Wear black t-shirts every day. A good, yeah, a good chunk of them. Uh, it's good, man. Those th those are the good guys right there. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> how many of the guys have sleeves on during the day? Yeah, probably none. Um, we're, we're, we're very pro sleeveless and uh, very uh, chewing tobacco pro. So between those two, yeah. I'll be like, hey guys, we actually have someone coming in today. We got to like clean up just a pinch. And then you always have the one smart, you know, the guy will come in with like a super short shorts with his pockets sticking out. I'm like, dude, you have not had legs to wear those in at least 20 years. You got to go put some pants on, brother. That's hilarious, man. Hey, um, I, I got to ask, you know, you guys are making such cool parts. I know for a fact I was one of many people that saw reverence and saw how you guys graphed that front clip into it. See you doing it with some other try to follow you guys on your social media. You guys are always really cool about posting up pictures. And, dude, you got you to gotta get that 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 modern challenger and that front valance like spoiler you got to get that incorporated in a mass scale because every charger owner out there will buy that for this car that is so sick and it makes that car so much slicker oh nice work thank you that front's been on reverence it was weird because that the front came out great our guys we we dropped the fender down on the side from the 69 we drop it down about an inch and a half we move the marker light just a pinch then we'll french and tuck the front bumper and then the lower outer part, that's a metal bumper. Then we take a factory new Hellcat plastic bumper, mold it all together. But with me, once again, not researching anything, we'll just wing it. Reverence was on a modern Hellcat driveline suspension. So we started doing it for an older 69 Charger. And saw that R&D we should do that we don't do. Um, we had to backtrack a little bit and redo some of the bumper bracketry and some of the mounts and stuff. And when it happens, we'll tell the customer. I'm really open with our social media pictures, our stuff. And I'll say, hey, man, I'm picking up 25 hours in your bill this week. Here's the pictures. Why? I'm not charging for it. I don't like the way it fits. It's not perfect. I want to backtrack, bring this thing through, show it, and make it perfect because it's on a whatever Riley front suspension or an aftermarket front kit. So with the slight differences and stuff, but yeah, we are working on doing that. So we're finished up our third front end conversion on one of those, and then now the design becomes: how do you start making this where a guy in his garage can get this out of a box and start making it fit his whatever sixty-eight to seventy charger? Yeah. What, man. what? Tell us what happened to that Bronco. Did uh, you guys still have it? Did you bring it back? What's the scoop on it? So the Bronco is back, but the Bronco has a new owner. Um, the Bronco is scheduled for a lot of shows this summer. I had no intention of selling the Bronco. Um, I had a guy call me in Detroit at the uh, Autorama. The truck killed it up there. Got, you know, top truck, all that stuff. Um, says, hey, you know, I'm buying your truck. And we've all been to those car shows. It doesn't matter if it's marketplace, whatever. We all have tire kickers. And that Bronco was a very healthy price tag on that thing. And I said, hey, you know, scheduled for a bunch of more shows. Not really for sale. Yeah, guys threw me a number. I said, oh, geez, well, if you're, you know, that'll work. <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> it was Shazam. Okay, so he came down to the came down to the Cleveland show, paid me. Um, he actually had the Bronco for the last month, driving around doing stuff in his town. Um, the weather because we're in Cleveland. I know, obviously, some of you guys, Kevin and Willie, aren't in the best weather either. It just quit snowing here, give or take five, six weeks ago. So we didn't get all the test drive time we wanted on it. He took it for a month. We gave him a list of stuff. We knew I needed to button up on it. Brought it back. So that's the list. So we're doing all of our button ups now. It will be at three final shows in July if anyone wants to see it. And then it's off to its new home at the end of July and we're done with her. So surprising, I won't have her around wow. more. Normally we keep those around for a year or two, but sometimes the deal comes together. And on top of it, we're already building another uh, another build for the customer, and then we have another one scheduled for the same customer. So, oh, congratulations, man! So, let me ask you, man, which do you like Thank building? You. What do you like building the best, like a a truck or something like Reverence? Because they're very different how you approach it. <sighs> me personally, I am a much more of a car guy than a truck guy, and I know that's going to anger half the people out there, but much more of a car guy. So, Reverence was kind of you know, if I had to pick a you know, what's your favorite all time car growing up or whatever. I'd have been probably 69 Charger. That's kind of how we came to building a 69 Charger. Just picked the car I liked and did it. Um, we do have a truck that's going to be coming back up into our build full that we started a while ago that uh, is a 56 Dodge truck. It's supposed to be the file for reverence and then a really short story of a long story. When the whole pandemic thing started, this 56 truck was supposed to be our follow-up to reverence. Well, then with SEMA the following year, the sponsor kind of said, hey, we need a quick build, you know, throw something together. We'll throw this Bronco together. Well, then once the pandemic canceled, SEMA, the Bronco became a full-on build. This 56 truck got paused. Well, the 56 truck is built on a full Viper chassis. So I had a 2004 Viper as my car. I drove her every day. I loved her. I had it for about 12 years. But one day we just cut it in half, um, drove it in the shop. It sits in here at winter. The guys that kept looking at it. Um, and I drove the snot out of that car. When I have my cars, I don't keep them as, you know, garage queens. I just absolutely drove the snot out of the car. And it had chips here, chips there. The paint had chips. Um, I would actually go pick up mulch at Home Depot. People would absolutely flip out in the parking lot. But I got mulch, I think, probably like six, seven different times at Home Depot. <laughs> so the car had, I mean, loved the car had been driven. So we took the car apart and started building a 56 truck off it on a full Viper independent suspension, built the frame in-house, did all that stuff. So... We're actually probably going to start kicking that project back on here soon. Nice. That's awesome, man. Good to hear. All right, we got to take a break, but I will tell you, let's talk crate engines when you get back because obviously everybody's kind of peering around the corner and sees electric. Yeah. What does that mean for you guys in your industry? Um, and where do you think that's going? And words of wisdom, remember, if you're ugly and sad, just build a race car and become just ugly. All right, it's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Kevin Bird, Willie B. We're back in just a minute. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up. We have our boy Rick Fragnoli, Cleveland Power and Performance. You guys got to find him online. Check out their social. They're always dropping cool stuff. I don't know what it is, man. I almost feel like Rick Hellcat owners are the new Mustang owners because you sure get a lot of men. He labels them too. He goes, Hellcat number, you know, 97 just rode in, <laughs> you know, 400 miles on it. And they put it into a wall. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was going to say why they keep rolling in is they're salvage and people keep wrecking them because you guys are terrible drivers, right. you Hellcat owners. <laughs> Get it together, man. Get some training. Well, that gives you some ability because that's, that's how you, you know, you're so efficient at getting these these drivetrains as you harvest these from crash Camaros or Mustangs or Hellcats. And, you know, now we're seeing this crate engine world and this pallet that you've been doing for a number of years that we talked about before, 
Are you seeing a shift now? Do people call you uh, curious about electric? Have you had anybody asking about that? And where do you think that's going? I mean, obviously for you, crate engines are a big part of it, that pallet offering. Yeah, for sure. I think the electric thing's definitely coming. Um, I've always been one where I feel like I'm pretty adaptable and I, anyone has to be with any business. Um, the electrics, it's coming. Um, in terms of guys with the drive lines asking yet, there's been a few, but nothing to the point where we're stocking them yet. And also there's a big part of what we do is if the pallet or if they're not going to run all the pallet stuff, they need to have an aftermarket support system. Like obviously an older GMLS motor, you can get a harness, a computer, you can get all that stuff for a guy in his garage. That electric stuff doesn't have that out yet. So that's why I feel like that hasn't totally taken off yet. Plus it's relatively new. Um, but we've been talking to guys about doing some of the builds and I know other guys have done this. We would not be the first at all, but how do you disguise all these parts inside an older cast motor? How do you make the engine bay look whatever, relatively like an older carbureted motor? How do you start hiding this electric stuff through? Because a lot of the guys know it's coming. I do feel like the one-time car builders right now, they're like, hey, I'm building one car. I don't care. I'm rolling gas. It doesn't matter. I think the guys that are basically more of the collectors that have, you know, 20, 30, 40 cars in, they're starting to dip their toes, you know, not heavy into it, but they're definitely starting to say, hey, what are we going to do in three years when this is all done or two years as these cars are drying up? So I definitely think the electric stuff's coming. Um, you know, you're starting to see, obviously, Corvettes, all stuff starting to switch potentially to electric. Um, do I think it's there yet right now? No. Is it something we have on our radar yet? Yeah, 100% yes. Yeah, you got to get the inventory, right? You got to get the new vehicles out and you got to get enough people that wreck them. And then you got plenty to pick from and you can maybe mix and match, you know, motors and batteries and figure out the controls mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Um, yeah, so we're right on the very tippy toe. You know, the OE's number one, they got to get it out the door. And then, you know, then we then we start kind of hemming and hawing and thinking and chewing on what we're going to do when they uh, become more available and, you know, cheaper, right? Right now, there's some outfits yes. out there that'll, you know, they'll outfit you with a complete setup. And some of them are pretty rocking badass, you know, seven, 800 foot pounds, 1400 foot pounds, um, you know, to do anything you want from street to off-roading, but boy, big price tags. Uh, but when you can start getting yes. like you, right, it's, it's bang for buck. You got stuff lying around. You can just, you know, walk down the aisle and pick one on the left and two on the right and start combining them. Uh, it could be interesting. Now, I think personally, um, you know, it, it's going to be always tough for me to swallow a, a, a cool classic car that you expect certain sounds and noises out of uh, to go that way. Uh, I'm kind of thinking if I if I end up taking that plunge, I might pick something unusual, something that uh, is just unexpected, and you don't you don't have that same expectations of well, it's got to sound a certain way. All of a sudden, it's just an unusual car, and you do something cool with it, and the next thing you know, that thing you know it goes like stink, you know, and it's got an EV under it, and, and everybody just kind of goes, oh wow, you know that that whole thing is kind of cool. I never thought about putting all that together, but we'll see. You know, there's a lot of uh, you know clever folks out there wanting to hide and sneak and make you know things look a certain way um so i'm interested to see what happens in this whole endeavor yeah i think a lot of it too like when you think about like look back at you know muscle cars of the 80s we all laugh at it now like how an 84 crossfire corvette was supposed to be something bigger those mustangs of the 80s and how like the horsepower went back in the horsepower wars got really built up i think the electric stuff right now or the battery stuff however you want to call it i guess still you know not early in development but it's not fully say like built into it. So like right now, I think you're kind of in that Corvette Crossfire, that L98, you know, 1990 Corvette stuff. I don't think it's fully where it's going to go to. 
And then also you're right with the cars are going to get built. I think you're going to see a lot of guys not want to tear up a 57 Bel Air or 63 split window, you know, at 69 charger. So I think some of these jalopy cars are cars we kind of laughed at back in the day that might be really light. You're going to start seeing some really weird stuff getting built. And plus these kids, like my nephews and stuff, like on their phones, it's incredible because they've grown up with this stuff. So these kids don't have the money yet because they're only, you know, 20s. They haven't got their full careers behind them. So they can go get these jalopy cars that aren't really getting built yet, but they're going to understand a lot of this technology a little bit better. So I think you're going to see some really wild cars starting to get built, which I think is cool. Definitely a different way to look at, but I think you're going to see cars getting built that we would have laughed at five, 10 years ago and say, what? Someone's building that? Oh my God, that car is now putting 1500 horsepower down too. Geez. Or, you know. Uh, electric electric yeah. platform is going to save AMC cars from uh, <laughs> from uh, hitting the hitting the compactor. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, so I got a question for you, man. You got a real good pulse on on what's hot and and you know with all this you know just harvesting of you know really efficient engines, drivetrains, uh, interior parts, pieces, and so forth. Um, what are you seeing that's still moving the needle? Um, and do you see it slowing down any? Where, where do you think it's going uh, in the next, you know, several years, uh, if not the next eight to 12 months uh, on the short side? On the short side, I feel like because the last two years have been crazy and I don't care what business you're in. Everyone says how crazy it's been. I feel like right now in the auto industry, the wreck cars, the salvage cars, whatever you want to say, like it's right at the top of the roller coaster. The front car is going over the hill and it's coming down fast. Um, car prices, even the last month, anyone that's doing that one time building your garage or whatever, start hopping on right now. If you're saying, oh, I can't buy a car, I can never get this one car. Now's the time. Um, it's really starting to come down and come down quick. And I think in the next six months, prices are going to drastically fall. Um, we can even see like on our part, some of these cars we're getting in that, you know, two, three months ago, we just bought a wreck car that we've never bought for less than 25 grand. I just bought it for 15 grand, like the same style car, like one of these track hawks we do all the time. That's crazy to me i've never thought we touched one for that price or the car that be absolutely maimed um it tells you that the market's starting to fall and i think it's falling hard in the salvage stuff so what's it going to do to pricing the drive lines right now that we historically sell are consistently stock are probably up anywhere from a thousand to twenty five hundred a pallet just because of lumber cost because of car cost because of limited salvage um insurance companies can't process the paperwork they can't get the title of the cars some of these cars are sitting i know all these storage lots and these auctions are they have triple and quadruple storage lots holding these cars. So now they got to start getting all this stuff back. And it seems like more people are going back to work. More cars are coming up, more inventory coming through. There's a lot more inventory. So the prices are coming way down. And then on top of it, I think, you know, some of this is slowing down this crazy spend, 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 spend. Two of our big builds going on went on pause because the guy's job stuff. And we always stack enough builds where it's not a big issue. And the guys go on pause for two, three, four months. But the last two years, we had no one go on pause. We've had two go on pause here in the last, you know, couple months. So um, I think it's slowing down for sure. Man, good opportunity. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously when the stock market's going down, you know, it's probably the best time to buy. And, you know, if you're thinking car parts, uh, this is a pretty good parallel. So um, I still feel like they're crazy high, though, man. I, I still feel like even the parts and the, and the cars, because, you know, I, I got a, a little side hustle buying some old hot rods and some modern muscles and, and they're still a massive. And I mean, an absolute, you know, over the top demand for, for these cars and platforms and, you know, big, uh, big ticket items too, you know, uh, uh, Hellcat red eye, you know, that you paid 80 grand for a year or two ago, th- those cars rolled across the auction block. Now and they're still bringing a buck Oh five. Yeah. It's crazy. And the guys have been driving them too. They have mileage on them too. They're not even new yeah. anymore. They went up 25 grand. The guy put 3000 miles on it. 
<laughs> I think it's like a trickling, you know, like depending on what what floodgate finally starts to open up. Uh, like I've got a friend that sells, you know, RVs and campers and stuff for a living. And he's, he said, you know, hey, the, the floodgate just opened for, for new RVs. So we've got this whole inventory of used RVs because, you know, you couldn't get a new one. So old ones were just as expensive. He's like, we're sitting on this huge lot of, of old RVs. And now that the new ones are coming in, just in the last few weeks, he said, our, our prices for the old ones are dropping like a rock and we're sitting on all this inventory. So, you know, it probably depends on like with the newer cars, right? If you can get the chips then, you know, then they start flowing. And then, of course, then it drops the uh, use prices a little bit. So, you know, it's probably just a little trickling here and there that's, you know, we'll start to see build momentum over the next, I don't know, six, eight months, 12 months. That's a great point. You're saying buy with the RV. So for Chrysler, because we do so much of these Hellcats, these Red Eye Pals, these Trackhawks, we just stock when the car's hitting the front, AC lines, oil cooler lines, low temp aux coolers, whatever the car gets hit in the front. And we'll usually have, you know, three to four of all these parts on. Well, the last six months has become really dry. So we've had orders on backer for six, nine months. I've just let hang out because I'm like, well, when they come in eventually use them. And like you said, these parts just started coming available now. So their dad, like six oil coolers show up. I had like nine low 10 box coolers show up. I'll keep all this stuff. But now all of a sudden all that stuff's becoming available. Well, everyone else that was either making stuff or going in production, try to duplicate or do an aftermarket version of it. Well, now they can't compete with it because now these big companies are starting to release all of it. Well, then on top of it, some guys either sold that car, or the car has been down. So like, then you have all this extra inventory coming available now. Well, yeah, they can't all come in at the same time. It's like too much, like the floodgate opened and now it's, uh-oh, we have all this extra inventory, all this stuff. What are we going to do with it? The prices come down, just like you were saying. So I, I think the prices are going to start coming down really quick. I'm like, I really to your point, I went back to Craigslist because you're right. Marketplace is so ridiculous. I went back to Craigslist and like the old plane deal or you guys don't the old newspaper ads and stuff like that. I went back to like old school ways of trying to get cars because on marketplace anymore, like you can't touch a car on there. Old hot rod buying, flipping. We do the same thing. Like everyone else, you can't touch it. So went back to like the old print papers. I went back like 15 years to trying to find cars. Yeah, man. Hey, I found myself looking at Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I'm right man. back on there too. That's where I found a, I found a challenger, a 2019 scat pack challenger wide body with, with 11 miles on it. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Off Craigslist, which wow. is kind of crazy, man. So really amazing. They're still out there. It's just, you know, like you said, you got to dig in and find them. But I, I really feel like that demand is there. And what you do with harvesting all the drivetrain and then delivering that on spot, you know, I'll give you some praise here. Um, uh, restoring this Denver cop who's fighting cancer. Um, you, you're the go-to guy. I've, I've, we found a, a really nice LS3 out of a, a 2014 or so Camaro. You guys did a little to it, and uh, man, we're getting ready to give that back to them. All the suspension, paint, and body, brakes, um, interior, all the LS stuff, automatic, 12-boat, Hotchkiss. Like, it's going to be a really nice give, and you guys sure made a, ch a chunk of that possible by helping me out, you know, with some on that engine. You guys just present such a great – like, if anybody's thinking about putting a modern drivetrain, whether it's GM, Ford, Chevrolet, dude, this, this pallet comes to you – turnkey ready to rock and all you got to do is just take everything you need we put a different intake and a couple other things in just to get it fit but you basically take what you need to make it run in your application and it's all there which is that's, that's miraculous um compared to builds of old yeah you're not chasing anything you got the yeah you get the core you know the big parts and then all of a sudden you're looking for the nuts the bolts the flex plate the this you know like whew. 
just finding everything, finding the right fiat, you name it. It's all it's all there, ready to go. And with that chip shortage and that key fob shortage, there's been no fobs. There's been no computers. So we've been taking computers, unlocking them, going in program, reflash them, doing all that stuff. So unless you have all that scan tool software at your house, we've got around a lot of chip shortage stuff by basically going back in and rewriting computers where, you know, a year ago, two years ago, you just, yeah, it's cheaper. Just call Chrysler, call Ford, get a new computer, put it back to a factory then. Well, now because there's no computers, there's no, like we've been taking computers that, you know, two years ago, you'd throw out and not think twice about, well, we better get that computer back, (laughs) get it going because you can't get parts. So where where does that put your where does that put your business model moving forward? How do you how have you had to to change what you guys do on your end? We've had to get really resourceful, reach out to people that we normally not for a reason, just our business paths never crossed. Um, key fobs, for lack of better words, because um, we're licensed through the government to be like basically a locksmith, even though we don't go out and fix people's cars, but it's just so you have to have all these licenses program these cars. So we had to basically get really heavy into the locksmith category: who's been hoarding keys, who has keys. Um, when, you know, people repo cars, sometimes locksmiths or repo companies don't care as much about it's just repoing a car, turn back into a dealership. They'll have Hellcat fobs they repo, stuff like that. Um, the tuners and stuff that will take someone's new computer and flash it, or maybe it's locked out. What are they doing with that computer? It's on their shelf still. Why are they not doing it? Um, these intakes and stuff, we'll just need a plastic intake from a six fork. That scat packer mentioned axing it's broke. Well, back in the day, you just go buy it new. Well, how are we going to get that now? What? What shop's building a scat pack? Who has an extra intake? Hey, Willie, how you doing, man? Sorry, just put that whipple on that car. Um, what you doing with that intake, my man? <laughs> but we've had to get a lot more proactive in our searches to keep these things moving. Well, glad you're doing the glad you're doing the heavy lifting because we're the ones that are getting the benefit out of it. So we know where to go after you've done it all. Amen. So. Amen. How do people find you on social media? Just Cleveland Power and Performance is that the best way? Yep. Cleveland Power Performance, you'll pop up Instagram, YouTube, our website, um, tons of videos. We'll have anything from instructional videos on our social media pages to just fun videos. Like we had a track hawk coming in. A guy literally blew both of his rear tires in half. Never seen like it in my Damn. life, but good for him. So we'll post funny stuff when people wreck. We'll post funny stuff when they leave their stash in the car still, or we'll <laughs> put, you know, instructional videos on how to do this upgrade to your car. There you go, man. All great stuff. Cleveland Power and Performance. Man, and check out our show. Check out his website. While you're there, you can check us out on streaming. It's all on Motor Trend. That's where the show airs on the weekends on Motor Trend Plus, which is our streaming service and platform. You can find us there. Make sure you do. If you can't find us, just raise hell with your local listings and uh, make sure you do. Uh, thanks to our guest, Rick Fragnoli, Cleveland Power and Performance, our producer, Scoop, executive producer, Mr. Bob Ecker. He is Kevin Bird, and I am Willie B. Yeah, don't forget to check out our website, too, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyrighted. 2022, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Hell yeah, man. Dude, as always, it's great talking with you and uh, just love what you're doing, Rick. You're, uh, you're absolutely killing it, yeah. bro. And um, I, I, I will tell you, Kevin, one time I scared him to death. I found this old Volvo, this um, ES 1800 wagon. And uh, I told him I was shipping it to him and I wanted it back with a blown LS in it. <laughs> And uh, we started looking at... I was going to say, he ain't scared of that. No. Trust me, I'd love to do it. The time I was like... Willie was like, hey, man, you need it back in like 72 hours. Let me know, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, that's when you... That's when you go old school Savage Yard and and pluck out that old acetylene torch. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll, I'll get that some bitch in there. We still have the old acetylene torch, <laughs> the old body saw, like some of those old vintage tools. They still come out now and then if you have to. You'll get some oh, weird of course, stuff. Of course. But you have a lot more to go with it. So that's what, right? that's yeah. important. <laughs> the guy in the short shorts with the pockets hanging out, that's yeah. what he uses. Um, Man, some of these guys, these characters, like that's what we were doing at TV show stuff last week. Like, oh, you know, what are these guys? I'm like, yeah, well, I know half the stuff we found. Like, I can't even say half the stuff. <laughs> All right. So next next time you're on, Rick, uh, you got to have a list of the weirdest and craziest things that uh, you found in cars uh, from Salvage. Oh yeah, man. We've had. All right, save them, save them. So next time you're on, man, we're we're gonna have the one, the one, two, threes. We're gonna have a good a good topic on that. There's some funny stuff we've got. Right on. Well, hey guys, I hope you learned something. Uh, you you better know you got a go-to guy for all the stuff that you need. So check out Rick over at Cleveland Power and Performance. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.